Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have this guest, and I'll give you a little backdrop of how we got connected. It was via LinkedIn, and uh, Dr. Joe Perez was here uh, in Orlando, and he was uh, speaking at a conference. And we just communicated, and he said, hey, I'm here in Orlando. I said, hey, I'm right by you. Let me go and go meet you. And uh, that's the beauty of LinkedIn. That's the beauty of social media, uh, that you can actually facilitate those meetings and get to know the people that you're connecting with. So I encourage folks to do that if you can. Under these conditions, maybe you'll do it virtually, but nonetheless, (laughs) you can connect and you can speak to the folks that you connect. So uh, thank you, Dr. Joe Perez, to be with us today and share in this uh, important topic that I believe needs to be talked about, leadership and technology. Uh, But before we get into that, I would like to give you a moment to share with us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, thank you, Enrique. I I appreciate the honor of being here with you today. Um, About me, let's see, where do I start? Well, um, after getting my bachelor's in secondary education, um, I started off my professional life as a school teacher for 10 years, um, then transitioned into the world of IT in the early 90s when I started working at NC State University as a computer consultant. Over the next 25 years, I was able to leverage my communications, uh, writing, um, programming skills, and so forth to develop training programs, speak at various university events, emceeing events, along with all the other amazing stuff that I had a wonderful time doing, um, applications development, database design, a whole host of other things that I enjoyed tremendously while at NC State. Um, During those years, I was promoted a training manager, then analyst programmer, and then business intelligence specialist near the end there. And it was at that point, uh, at least a a couple of years after that, that I was recruited away from the university in 2017 by some tremendous people with the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. <laughs> they, they simply made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I mean, it was a major, major promotion. I, best career move I've ever made, both for me and more importantly, for my family. I'm now a senior systems analyst and team lead in the IT division there for the Client Services Data Warehouse or CSDW. I tell you, I love my job. I love my team you know, best, best thing ever. Um, um, but besides all the cool techie stuff I get to do, I, I get to take processes apart, analyze how they work, figure out how to make them work faster, more efficiently, and then put everything back together again. And hopefully they'll still work better and more efficiently. Uh, I get to liaise between high level business partners and high level technical people, figuring out how to get these two groups to talk to each other and Um, develop functional business and technical requirements and solutions to those requirements so they can all agree to and somehow make it all work so that everybody's happy and so that my boss looks like an even bigger hero than he already is in my eyes. Um, And the really 
fun stuff that I'm getting to do, uh, other than leading my team, getting to spearhead business intelligence analytics initiatives for our data warehouse, and hopefully at the same time make it sleeker and more efficient. Now, during all of this time, uh, I've never ever lost my love for teaching and communication because you know the, the doors have been opening up to for me to have more conference speaking opportunities than ever before. You alluded to that. Uh, I was in eight or nine different cities last year and was set to be in about a dozen cities this year uh, through July until COVID-19 made everybody rethink how they're gonna do live in-person events, you know, but, but that's okay. Uh, I don't mind pivoting because with these virtual events, I mean, <laughs> I've been getting even more opportunities to speak than ever before. I mean, I'm gonna wind up being in more than 20 events by the end of this year. And that both amazes me and humbles me all at the same time. I mean, I am not a famous person at all, you know, it's not like I'm Enrique Gonzalez, you know, everybody knows who that is, right? Nobody knows who I am, but you know, all kidding aside, um, when, I'm, when I'm not working or speaking, um, I, I love spending time with my life, my life. She is my life, my wife and family. Uh, I sing and play the piano, I write songs, I love working out in the gym. Well, <laughs> whenever it opens back up, you know, I need to get back in the gym. Uh, uh, I'm heavily involved in my church's Spanish ministry uh, and the military ministry. Um, in fact, in that military ministry, uh, I publish a monthly e-newsletter called called the Patriot News. So <laughs> I've been told that I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger, you know, uh, just loving life, living it to the fullness, and all along trying to serve God and serve my fellow man along the way. That's wonderful, and uh, and I'm I'm of kin, right, into into all those practices and and what you're doing, and I love the fact that technology has facilitated what would have been a handful of events at the end of the year to mm -hmm. you know two handfuls, right, right? and even several more. handfuls, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. So, right. um, in, in terms of technology and and what we're talking about today, leadership and technology, it mm -hmm. it. It is very uh, intriguing to me how it's something that is all around us, but there are a lot of folks, mainly in leadership positions, that are apprehensive, right? They're, they're, mm -hmm. There's a lot of doubt because we don't know how much we're giving up, especially in a data-driven environment and a data-driven world. What do you suggest for leaders, you know, just starting in, the, in, in this conversation, uh, for leaders to be interested in and when it comes to technology? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, what should they be interested? Well, when I'm building a team around, around me, Enrique, I want people that I can trust, people that I can count on to get things done. And I got a team like that now. There's something to be said about a person's willingness to help and loyalty more so than however many years of experience that they have or perceived ability and certain skills. I mean, yeah, skill sets are important, okay, really important. But you can train somebody to make up for the lack of knowledge in a given skill. Um, but if you got somebody who can't bring themselves to take ownership or who doesn't have a sense of accountability, that's something you really can't train for. That, that's got to come from within. 
see, when people have that sense of ownership for what they're doing, um, they recognize that they themselves are ultimately responsible for a given task, knowing that they're going to be held accountable for it and committing themselves to doing it right. Well, then you know you're going to get the best possible product. Now, you can take that to the bank, okay? See, people take pride in the things that they own, and they tend to give their best workmanship for things that they believe in. Uh, that's the type of team that I can really get excited about working with. Um, it's the kind that you can trust to make things happen. Now, as to integrity, I think that's what we need to be interested in more, uh, accountability more than ability. Integrity is indispensable in this world. You know, um, it's doing the right thing no matter what, uh, doing it because it's the right thing to do and not for what you think you might get out of it. Um, doing it when you don't think anybody's watching, to paraphrase a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, and then there, there, there's, there's a whole host of great definitions out there for integrity and accountability and stuff. The best one I think for integrity, it, it's the best one. You know, I, I think if you look it up in the dictionary, it'll be something like something that is one piece. I don't know, it makes me think of, let's say, integral, integrity, integral, um, like an integral beam headlamp, right? It's got both the high beam and the low beam all encapsulated and closed in a single housing. You know, it's indivisible. It's one piece. Now, here's my reasoning here. When a leader demonstrates integrity, he or she is just one piece, so to speak. You know, he's not two-faced. He's one face, if you will. Uh, they're demonstrating a singular, consistent character that's reflected in their words and actions. Um, and they're going to be the same way regardless of who they're in front of, you know. You can count on them to not double-cross you. So uh, this level of honesty, uh, moral uprightness, mo uh, ethical dealings and stuff, that's going to lead to transparency. And that's the thing, transparency, you know, that's going to set the tone for the entire organization, sets the example for the rest of the employees. You know, Enrique, that's precisely the kind of thing that's going to foster a culture of trust within an organization, technology or not, you know, get, getting back to that loyalty I'm talking about. Um, it's a whole lot easier to be loyal to a leader you can trust. I mean, let me put it this way. A trust is a funny thing. All right, it's, um, it's hard to build, easy to lose, and almost impossible to regain once you've lost it, you know? Leaders who value their reputation would do well to remember that and guard their integrity beyond all things. Uh, be real to your people, you know? Uh, be transparent. Uh, let them see just how important that is to you. That transcends technology, that transcends everything. Um, I love the military and God bless you, sir. I thank you for your service. Um, I, I think about General Douglas MacArthur. I love the way he put it years, years and years ago. He said, a true leader has the confidence to stand alone, the courage to make tough decisions, and the compassion to listen to the needs of others. He doesn't ever set out to be a leader, but he becomes one by the equality of his actions and the integrity of his intent. I mean, you, you got to love that kind of attitude. You know, that, that's integrity. You take that and compare it to, say, I don't know, celebrity, 
uh, <laughs> it's not even a contest, okay? I mean, fame and fortune, you know, that's, um, uh, that can come and go, regardless of the industry. Uh, popularity, you know, that rises and falls with the whims of the crowd, you know? One week, you might have gone viral, and the next week, you're at the bottom of the list, okay? Uh, <laughs> you know, I suppose there's nothing wrong with getting noticed if you see somebody who's a rising star and doing things that are worthy of, uh, of people's attention. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I'm not a famous person by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I'm not tickled to death that my following on LinkedIn has, uh, has grown tremendously, you know, a little over 4,000 last summer to more than 9,300, uh, you know, more than doubling in less than a year. Um, but you know what? I would trade it all for just one minute of being known as honest and true to my people, you know, setting the right example to my family, my neighbors, my team at work, and having the respect and trust of my fellow man, okay? I mean, to some people that might sound a little cheesy, but no, I, I'm serious. I mean it. That means more to me than, than anything else ever could. So, yeah, I'd take integrity over celebrity any day. I'd take uh, uh, accountability over ability. Um, and, and, and that's the thing that I feel that, uh, that leaders need to, uh, to be concerned about. That's the thing they need to be looking at. Uh, yeah, uh, technology is, is a big giant, you know, uh, that's, uh, that people are scared of. But I think if you take care of the character issue first and have that straight, then you know whatever fears you might they might have about technology and adapting to it uh, i think that'll take care of itself yeah i love that because as you was talking i'm thinking you know the 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 true fear of technology is not technology itself right but what it, but what it does the integrity part of technology the transparency part of technology yeah. but that that really speaks to the people who make technology, right? So it, right. it's really a little deeper than that, than just the technologists, the whole, those who create it, those who uh, actually put it into play. And so what leaders may be apprehensive about is the human behind technology and not technology itself. So it's, it's funny how that, uh, you know, that comes out in, uh, in, the, in what you were saying uh, and, and, you know, just listening to what you're saying. So, so we, we've kind of uh, taken it from technology and, and good to, to put that uh, to bed because we're really talking about human interaction in leadership, right? You yes. don't, you don't lead a computer. You, you lead the person behind that's actually operating a computer. So exactly when you're talking about um, leaders and their teams, um, and how they should operate with their teams. Um, what is one thing you could tell us about the team dynamic that leaders should be focusing on? Okay, that's a good question. Um, I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, while I was doing some research for a presentation I have later this summer for SHRIM conference, that SHRIM, that's the Society for Human Resource Management, the acronym SHRIM. Uh, I found some pretty interesting stats, okay? Uh, this was this Harvard Business Review report that said that companies in the U.S. spent more than $90 billion, this billion with a B, 
on training and development of their employees in 2018. That's like uh, almost a, a third more than they did in 2017. I mean, that sounds, wow, that's amazing. That's great. You know, but, but okay, he, here's, here's the kicker. In that same period of time, there was this other study, survey, uh, huge global talent monitor survey, 20, 20 some odd, uh, like 20, 22,000, something like that, 22,000 employees. It showed that about 27% of those employees were actively looking for a job, and only one in three said they were going to stick around with their current employer, okay? <laughs> you know, come on, uh, you know, that, that sounds like a bit of a disconnect if you ask me, Enrique. Uh, and it kind of makes you want to ask, why the disconnect, uh, to your point? Um, maybe it could be because companies sometimes view their employees as a cost to be justified rather than an asset to be invested in. Uh, maybe they feel they'd be throwing money away if they try too hard to keep them, or if they spend money to train them, whether it be technology or some other skill. You know, If you train them, they're going to go somewhere else. You're wasting their money. Uh, come on, you, you got to love what Henry Ford said about that, okay? Uh, <laughs> he said, the only thing worse than training your employees and having them leave is not training them and having them stay, <laughs> okay? Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty good advice. I mean, coming from a guy for, who literally revolutionized the automobile industry in the U.S., right? Uh, see, look, people, people need to feel like they are a valued part of an organization, and, and leadership needs to listen to the person behind the computer, so to speak. You know, they need to value their input to give them a sense of purpose and belonging in technology. I mean, I'm not talking about coddling them and making allowances, you know, for, for sorry workmanship, uh, laziness, insubordination, dishonesty, embezzlement, you know, all those other terrible things. I mean, certainly those issues need to be addressed and dealt with in a way that protect the mission, vision, and goals of the company and the reputation and so forth. But we need to keep our eyes open, our, our minds open, and, you know, important, uh, maybe most importantly, the lines of communication open to look for those warning signs, those, um, uh, those red, red flags early on, to deal with issues up front before they fester and maybe, just maybe, prevent some of these things from happening from the get-go, that disconnect. You know, if we spent as much time figuring out ways to retain the techno technology talent that we have today, as much as we spent recruiting them in the first place, I think maybe some of that disconnect I talked about could potentially be avoided or at least minimized. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and you, you, your last statement there was very, uh, you know, it was, it highlighted in my head because it goes back to relationship. Right. Relationship, uh, it's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the young man that entreats the young lady, there's all kinds mm -hmm. of things going on, right? You got flowers, you got dinners, you got this and the other. And then when it's solidified, half, if not more than half of those things go away, right? Because what they say, the mm -hmm. chase is over, right? <laughs> so, right. so, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny how even an employment, as a corporation, a company, you have to be uh, very smart about how you maintain those relationships because yep. back to stats that you have referred to earlier, one in three are ready to go. Uh, you know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. or, or one in three is ready. It's going to stay. The other ones are going to go. Either way it goes, you're going to lose some people because those romancing things, right? 
those yeah. things you said at the interview that they were going to get, uh, all those things that you highlighted when you was trying to get them as an employee are gone when they sign it on, on the dotted line. And then now you have another issue, which is retain it, right? Retaining. Mm -hmm. So it's funny how you, how you mentioned that. Um, uh, I was in an ad tech space for about two and a half years. And you realize how data driven this world is right now, right? Oh yeah. Uh, everything is data and you're trying to save your data and you're trying to protect your data and you're trying to analyze data and you're trying to, you know, decipher data. It's, it, there's, everything is data. And, and I, it's funny because I, I think of the, uh, the whole, uh, Hansel and Gretel, little breadcrumbs. Now you're, <laughs> now you're chasing little pixels, right? Right. <laughs> uh, uh, so in a data-driven environment, a data-centric world, um, what would you advise leaders concerning, concerning data? Because they're, they're really concerned about their data. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are, Enrique. Uh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. I, I'm so glad you asked me that. I mean, now, now we're talking. I mean, th this is a big, big passion of mine, Okay. Um, as you know, you already know, and you've seen, and you, we met at that conference where I was speaking, you know, uh, and you know how much, how much this means to me. I've been in all these conferences I've been speaking, this, this, this business of making sure that your data is actionable. I mean, that, that's been a pretty hot topic. You know, I get a number of requests for that. Okay. When, when companies are trying to evaluate how well they're doing, um, uh, it's gotten to the point where, as, as you said, you know, it isn't enough just to get narrative stories from their various departments that describe the progress that they've made, the improvements they've achieved, the innovations that they've designed, things they want to bring to market, that kind of thing. Uh, that's all well and good, okay? Uh, but there's there's an increasing trend that I've seen to base those decisions on hard, fast data that's going to show in, in black and white, in concrete numbers and measurable trends, just how well their company stacks up against the competition. Um, to your point, I'm, I'm also talking about data-driven decision-making, you know, using actionable data to grant insight into their business processes to know how to move forward in an intelligent way. And in that, my presentation, uh, I talk about how data is actionable only when it helps people to do three things, okay? To make a decision, answer a question, or solve a problem. Um, I, I talk about having an idea, that's what you start off with, you know, whether it be, a, I don't know, a new product for which you want to show that it's viable and can be profitable or you, you, you wanna make improvements in one of your business processes uh, based on certain performance trends that you wanna illustrate graphically or anything else that you can do, whatever the idea is. Okay, you take this idea and bringing it to reality over here by knowing the best practices to follow in data storytelling and using data visualizations to make it happen. Now, one of the things I stress, um, in this presentation is not getting caught up in making a bunch of snazzy looking graphs just for the sake of one-upping the other guy on the wow factor, okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool if it looks pretty, but if the underlying data isn't right, 
guess what? Your supermodel graph is just junk, okay? Worthless garbage. Um, it, it's the age-old argument. Does it look good or does it work? <laughs> is it pretty or is it right, okay? Um, part, part of the problem with this, this, this rush to get graphs out, out the door without having taken the time to check out the underlying data is um, if, if leadership is relying more and more on these graphical visualizations to make their decisions um, and, and, and they've not been checked out properly ahead of time, well, you know, they're bound to be making decisions that are misinformed at best or even disastrous at worst. See, wrong data is gonna to lead to wrong assumptions, right? And then wrong assumptions lead to wrong decisions and you know, wrong decisions lead to wrong consequences, okay? And, and while, while you, you, you might be able to correct the data, that's not all that hard, you know, correcting the data, uh, redo your graphs, revise your assumptions, and even, even get management to reevaluate their decisions, right? Uh, that, that's good. But you may not be able to correct the consequences that come as a result as easily. See, it's so much better to make sure the data's right in the first place. You know, we, we can say the same thing when there's pressure to manipulate the data, to make it say what the boss wants it to say, you know, rather than letting the data speak for itself, you know. I mean, that harkens back to that integrity factor we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Um, uh, while while that sense of pride in your work that I was talking about, uh, the thing that makes you want to make sure that everything's right before you send it up the food chain, you know, that kind of thing needs to come from within, okay? And it should be present within the whole rank and file of the organization to start with, you know, from the bottom up or from the top down, whichever, but whichever way you look at it, leadership should still be the one that sets the tone for this attitude by having that same attitude themselves. I don't let it go until it's right, period. I believe that's one of the biggest differences between somebody who's a leader and somebody who's nothing more than a boss, okay? Um, when it comes to making sure the data's right, a boss is just gonna mandate it, but a leader will model it. Uh, a boss does it by demanding while a leader does it by developing. I'm so proud to say that my boss, Victor, the one I keep talking about, I call him my boss, he, he actually is a true leader who has that attitude, and that's the same attitude I want to have as well. That's wonderful. I, I, I love that uh, because in, in a world that's always constantly looking for data, they should mm -hmm. be looking for leaders that know how to use the data. Yes, and sir. So, so that exactly. that was wonderful, and 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 you know we're talking about technology, uh, data driven. Uh, uh, we're talking about you know computers. We're talking about all these things that are constantly. I can't have my phone in my hand for more than a month and it not say you need to load this next thing, right? This next <laughs> best thing. This is gonna make you know revolutionize your phone download you know there, there are so many things that are causing us to innovate and some by force right <laughs> some by force <laughs> you have no uh, choice right uh but 
In terms of innovation and technology, what would you suggest for leaders to keep their eye on? Because we are consistently or constantly asked to innovate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's another passion of mine. Uh, I, I couldn't say it better myself. I think, how do I put this? Um, I think complacency is the enemy of progress here, okay? Um, at the pace that things are chase, changing in this world with technology and everything else, success in reality can sometimes be worse than failure. And think about it, when, when you're on top of the world and things seem to be going great with your technological advances, you know, leaders can get overconfident and even careless and complacent. Okay, that's a dangerous place to be, especially during the current upheaval being brought up by the current situation with COVID-19. I mean, rather than sitting still and being comfortable with current successes uh, and being satisfied with the status quo, I think leadership needs to be on the constant lookout for ways to improve. See, it's vital to the success of any organization to have this mindset of innovation. Um, speaking of which, um, I was asked to speak about that, that, that very topic uh, at a conference in South America, uh, cultivating a climate for paradigm shift facilitating innovation in a post-COVID-19 world. That, that's, that's my title, the title of my ta uh, talk. Now, although <laughs> by no means can anybody say that we're post-COVID-19 yet in, in any sense, uh, I, I do believe we will emerge, okay? When we emerge from this global pandemic, and, I, and we will emerge, even after conditions improve, and they will, even after the vaccine is found, and it will be, and even after industries recover, and I, and I believe they will, still, we're gonna have to learn how to live with a new normal. Uh, okay, you know, uh, people, you know, that, that term, new normal, you know, <laughs> that's been used so much. I suppose people sometimes are getting tired of hearing it, but, but no, it's the truth, man. You know, I mean, it, it's going to take a shifting of the paradigm, if you will, to borrow from my title here, um, to, to, to make thinking outside the box to be the norm rather than the exception. See, now thinking outside the box is considered to be the exception rather than the rule. Now, let's turn that thing on its side, man. You know, think outside the box, okay? Think of that as being the norm rather than the exception. Now, um, an article that I read, uh, the, what was it? A June 2020 Tech Republic, all right? It reported that some huge percentage, uh, uh, more than nine out of 91, that's what it was, 91%, okay? More than nine out of every 10 IT leaders across the globe uh, said that they've been forced to shift their cloud strategies to innovate and operate in this new normal brought on by the effects of COVID-19. You know, you, you think about the phenomenal increase in remote workers, right? And uh, the higher and higher demands that, that places on the network infra infrastructure and internet services and uh, capacity and that kind of thing, you know. That's all the more reason to have a forward-thinking mentality of flexibility, you know. And it shouldn't take a global pandemic to make us see that, all right. Forward-thinking is how you're going to survive. Now, that said, um, leadership may just need to start reconsidering, um, um, re re rethinking some of their strategies 
to be more open to new ideas, to solicit more input from the rank and file. You know, they're the ones that have the boots on the ground, okay? And they're the ones who are going to be able to provide more granular insight to inform this innovation. It's all about knowing where to deploy the resources, where to put the, church, the chess pieces, expand your strategic thinking process. You know, those are all the signs of adopting a more innovative mindset, of, of shifting that paradigm that I'm talking about here. And um, speaking of innovation, uh, I've often reminded myself, if I'm not innovating, then I'm stagnating, you know, <laughs> and, and to that point. If, if, if leaders want their companies to survive in a post-COVID-19 world, <laughs> it's either strategize or fossilize. That's what I say. Yeah, that's powerful. Because the other day I, I was talking to somebody and I, I told them, uh, I've heard this before and I've said it my own self. You innovate or you die in this exactly. era, right? In this era, exactly. it really does make the difference whether you survive tomorrow, till tomorrow or not in the business world. If you have yep. a corporation or, or an organization, if you don't embrace innovation, if you don't enact innovation, if you don't foster innovation, you will be swallowed up and you'll be part of something else. So in, in terms of, and, and you have mentioned boots on the ground, you know, I love that term because I'm very <laughs> near and dear to it. Uh, but but those, those, that are, those that are really executing that vision of that CEO, the, the mission of the company, are the ones that uh, really need the focus, especially today. I was just talking about how do you maintain, you know, and it was one of my LinkedIn lives, how do you maintain, uh, you know, that peak performance when there's nobody there, right? So what right. should leaders be focusing on in terms of the boots on the ground, those people executing their mission uh, during these times where we're so isolated? Yeah, uh, social distancing uh, doesn't help a lot with that. <laughs> um, I think the key is encouragement, all right? Um, really, I can't think of anybody who doesn't acknowledge the value of encouragement for, for your people, okay? Um, I mean, quite literally, encouragement means to give courage. Um, if I remember correctly, is it give courage? No, no, uh, it's create courage, all right? Create courage in, in somebody else, you know? by uh, words of affirmation, by expressing confidence in their abilities, by um, offering true praise for a job well done, showing appreciation. You know, these are just some of the ways that leaders can brighten the day of the people on their team. We talked earlier about that disconnect, you know, um, all the money being spent on training and in spite of it, people wanting to leave their job. That kind of thing is, can be minimized by companies, like I said, seeing people as assets rather than costs, like we talked about. Okay, well, if that's the case, they need to treat them that way, all right? Um, see, I think leadership plays a huge role in, in making this happen. Words of encouragement, acts of kindness, uh, being fair, fostering a whole climate of placing value in each individual. Okay, that kind of stuff goes a whole lot further to instill loyalty than this micromanaging approach, you know? So yeah, encouraging rather than encroaching, right? Leaders 
leaders need to see the value in their teams and consider the fact that you know they didn't make it up to the top of the ladder by themselves you know i mean as leaders i don't know sometimes you know, we tend to think that i am a self-made man i made it to the top of the ladder all by myself you know uh, okay <laughs> i don't really think that there's any such thing as a self-made man i don't care how good how good you are you know um it reminds me of a speech given by arnold schwarzenegger of all people you know, it, it was, I believe it was, it, yeah, it was a commencement address, maybe the University of Houston, I think. It was 2017 or 2018, something like that. Uh, now, and granted, Arnold, you know, he, he's not known for saying a whole lot of profound things. I mean, other than, I'll be back, and it's not a tumor, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, in, in that speech, he emphasized the importance of the contributions that others make to your success. And, and he encouraged the students, his audience, you know, those who were graduating, to be thankful for all the people that helped get them to where they were, you know, their parents, teachers, professors, friends, and, and, and so forth. And um, he, he would say stuff like, uh, don't you ever, ever call me a self-made man. You know, there's no such thing. And uh, anyway, here's the thing that stuck with me out of that whole speech. Near, near the end of the commencement address, he says, make sure that it's not about me, it's about we. Okay, <laughs> pretty good. Huh? I, I, that not be the, be the best grammar in the world. I mean, well, granted, Arnold isn't known for his grammar. You know, one was bulging, rippling muscles, okay? <laughs> Seriously, that's... That's the attitude that true leadership needs to model for their teams. It's not about me, it's about we, okay? So express a little gratitude for your team along with that encouragement we were talking about. You know, it goes a long way. Set the pace, set the tone, set the example, give them something to work hard for. <laughs> you, know, you do all that, you could end up having a team that'll walk on coals of fire for you, you know? Uh, hey, that's what I want to do when I'm leading my team, you know, letting each one of them know that they are a vital part of the success of this whole organization. And, and if they realize just how much they're worth to you, you'd be surprised at how hard they'll work and how loyal they'll be. And you just kind of tell them that every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. You can tell I'm really passionate about this, this sort of thing. But um, one of my one of my LinkedIn followers, uh, Susan Taylor, she's, um, she's a phenomenal executive performance coach, and uh, she has a real knack for encouraging people. Uh, something that she posted earlier this summer that has stuck with me. Uh, in her post, she talks about how to respond when you're told, you're not good enough. That was the, the headliner for the post. You know, you can either live with those words and, and how people see you, uh, and, and think that way of yourself, you know, or you could ignore it and rise above that negative destructive criticism and uh, to that point. I love what Winston Churchill said about this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Uh, you know, I'm sure by now you figured out I love quotes, okay? I, I love to use them a lot. And it's true. Okay, I believe that encouragement like this can spur people on to get back up when they fall down. 
okay? You can't help falling down, right? It's gonna happen, but you don't have to stay down. Whether you're living through a pandemic or not, okay? When you're down, get back up, all right? Don't lose hope, keep pushing, keep believing, keep moving forward. And don't let yourself be defined by defeat, okay? Um, that being said, in, in, in the current climate where, where it seems that doom and gloom make up the, the highest percentage of our headlines on the news, um, I don't think there's ever been a better time for leaders to step up and be that encouragement, right? Inspire their team, all right? Let them see that we're in this thing together, we'll get through it together, and we're gonna come out of it on the other side better than ever before. You know, people need to hear that. Um, and it needs to come from leadership. Now, uh, another, here's another quote. Uh, John, John Quincy Adams, uh, the president, John Quincy Adams, I believe said, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. How true that is. I love it. And you know what? If, if you spend more time encouraging rather than encroaching, you're going to show people what kind of leader you really are. And, and you will definitely make things happen with your team. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the kind of leader I want to be, Enrique. I want to embody all of these characteristics that we've been talking about today. Okay, um, the integrity, uh, the honesty, the innovation, the encouragement, the forward thinking, uh, the embracing of change, the embracing of technology, uh, commitment to excellence, you know, all of that. Come what may, by the grace of God, I plan to keep on giving it everything I've got to make that happen. Now, I'm not there yet by any stretch. <laughs> I don't know that I ever will be, uh, but I'm certainly not going to give up. I'm going to keep on pushing until I get to the point where I can say, you know, that, uh, that I've done my very best uh, to serve God and serve others, you know, um, and so that my legacy after me will say that, hey, this was a guy who could make things happen, uh, and this was a team that made things happen. Uh, so just remembering encouragement rather than encroachment, and remember it's about the we, not about the me. That's very powerful. And I truly believe that. I mean, I've seen uh, leadership fall prey to uh, the other version of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so it's, uh, you know, it's the reason why those stats that you mentioned earlier are so high of people moving on to other pastures. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, Dr. Joe, uh, thank you so much. I, I've, I've enjoyed the, this conversation around yes, technology. Sir. And for those that have been listening, you know, technology is not the problem. Uh, you know, we're, we're afraid about other things uh, other than the technology. Now, I won't tell you that there are not ways to uh, use technology in a bad way, right? But, uh, but it is truly the people that have to actually put this technology forward where the most concern is. And when you're dealing with people and you're talking about leadership, encouragement as just, uh, you just mentioned is so vital in ensuring that 
you foster a, a, a way where technology is not an issue, data is not an issue. We talked about innovation, right? Innovation is not an issue because you've created a climate that, uh, that the people are thriving in and they yeah. know how to handle all those things. Um, uh, uh, Joe, if, if someone needed to get a hold of you for, you know, those speaking engagements that now you're flooded with, or just to talk or, 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 or anything like that, how would they do that? Sure. Um, so uh, on LinkedIn, uh, my, uh, my handles, whatever you want to call it, uh, LinkedIn forward slash N forward slash J-W-P-E-R-E-Z on, um, let's see, on, on Inst no, I'm not on Instagram, uh, Twitter, <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Uh, Twitter, I'm at J.W. Perez Man. Uh, my Sessionize pays is at sessionize.com forward slash Joe-Perez. I just started, uh, I just created my website for the first time. I finally got my domain. It's drjoeperez.com. That's D-R-J-O-E-P-E-R-E-Z.com. Um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to, uh, uh, love to chat with people uh, and uh, for bookings, for speaking, if you're interested and haven't gotten tired of me yet today or whatever. Um, I, um, uh, my agency is the Christensen Agency. Uh, that's uh, Alan Christensen, uh, and he can be found at uh, thechristensenagency.com. That's S-O-N, Christensen, thechristensenagency.com. Outstanding. So good. And, and folks, if you uh, did not get enough, and, and, and he shared a lot with us today, but he's got a whole lot more, believe me. Um, uh, reach out to Joe, uh, you know, speak with him, let him speak to your group. Uh, I know you will be blessed. So Joe, thank you once again. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for yes, your insight and all the information that you shared with us today. And for all thank those you, listening, as we usually end our show, success to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you.